Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm really looking forward to speaking today with Emma Eden. Emma is currently the principal horn with the Christchurch Symphony Orchestra. She's a proud Kiwi who grew up in Timaru before going on to study the French horn at Massey University in Wellington. Since graduating, Emma received several scholarships which have enabled her to travel and study around the world, including in Canada and Germany. Emma has performed in all of New Zealand's major orchestras, as well as the Melbourne and Sydney Symphony Orchestras, and has performed numerous times as a soloist. In 2009, Emma won the principal third horn job in the Auckland Philharmonia Orchestra, a position she enjoyed for over 10 years. In 2020, Emma moved back to the South Island and joined the Christchurch Symphony Orchestra as principal horn. Emma's also passionate about music education and believes the skills that you acquire while learning an instrument or performing in an ensemble are invaluable for building confident, passionate, resilient and hardworking individuals. Kia ora, Emma, and thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much, Anna. That was such a, it's so funny to hear all that read out like that. <laughs> I'm like, wow, yeah, awesome to meet you and everything. Yeah, lovely. I like that. I think often when you summarise somebody's career into those snippets and highlights, it, it, people often go, wow, I've done quite a bit, haven't I? It's a, it's a nice feeling, hopefully. Oh, yeah, it was actually. Thank you. You're welcome. So, Emma, for my first question, I wanted to take you back a little bit and to think back to when you were a child or even a teenager. What did you want to do or be when you grew up? I kind of like this question because it gets you thinking about when you were younger and things like that. I think I definitely, I was always trying to teach whoever would listen to me music. I was always trying to teach my neighbours the recorder or my brother something. So I think that was when I was really little, five, six, seven years old. And I was thinking, I think music was always something that I just loved. It was just something that was really fun. But I didn't actually know that you could be a musician for your job. So I think if I'd known that, I would have loved, I could say, yes, I wanted to be a musician. But I think for me, it wasn't until I was at high school and I met my high school music teacher that I realized, oh, you can actually be a musician for a job. So I think, yeah, so from a little kid, I think a music teacher. And then as soon as I found out that being a musician was an option, I thought that was definitely high on my list. And so many of us learn an instrument or so when, when we're growing up. I know I learned the recorder and then the piano and the flute, you know, as, as, as you're growing up. But it's a different decision, as you say, to learn something or really love playing music to actually deciding, yes, this is going to be my profession. How did you then go about actually moving from it being a hobby, a love, to actually something you were going to pursue as your career? Yeah, it was, to be honest, it was a rocky road. <laughs> getting there. I always knew when you get to 18, there's all this pressure isn't there on kids these days to what are you going to do? What are you going to be? And all this sort of stuff. I was a pretty average school person. So I didn't really have much going academically, to be honest, but I just knew I wanted to do something in music. So when I actually 
was le- going to leave school, my high school music teacher, she was really inspiring and she said, you know, go to music school, it'll be, it'll be awesome. And I thought, okay, cool. And I was playing at the time, my main instrument, I guess, then was a tenor horn, so like a brass band instrument. I was in my primary school brass band. But when I took it up to Wellington to audition, they said, no, we, can, we can't take this instrument at music school. And I, my heart was broken. I really was like, what now? How am I going to make this work? I played the piano, but I was honestly not very good. But I, I felt really, uh, I just thought that, oh, what am I going to do? But it was literally, I just met this lady who actually then became my horn teacher who said, you know what, give this girl a chance. I'll take her on and teach her the French horn. So I didn't actually start playing the French horn until I was at university. So it, yeah, as I say, it's evolved from there really um, because they were saying, oh, you can't make a career on the tenor horn, which is true. So I had to swap instruments um, in my first year of university, which was a big hurdle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I can imagine coming from being highly proficient um, and confident on an instrument to then picking something up and starting a bit, I mean, not fully from scratch, but starting a bit from scratch again would have been tough. Yeah, I'm just and being surrounded by everyone that was just nailing it on their instruments. I literally had to go back to like first lesson. I mean, I played the tenor horn, but it's very different to the French horn. And I remember standing up and we all each week had to play something, you know, to prove how we're improving. And I remember just standing there and playing two notes. That's all I could do. <laughs> but it, yeah, obviously it built up over time, but it was a hard slog for four years. I really worked my butt off to be honest, because I knew as soon as I started doing it that I wanted to do it as a career, but I knew also that I was way behind. <laughs> so I had to hurry up and have a good attitude about it. I don't mm. regret one minute of it. Like It was probably the best decision, to be honest. Mm, how interesting. And some of those, the hardest things end up being the best things that we sometimes do. Um, and tell me, Emma, a bit about the kind of then after you'd finished studying, the first few years of, of your career, what were the, some of the highlights and challenges there? A, a horn job while I was still studying. So I had a really great opportunity and I was I got the second horn job in Orchestra Wellington when I was still at university, which was amazing. So that was like my first sort of gig that we get paid. It was scary because all of a sudden you go from playing in youth orchestras or university groups where if you make a mistake, oh, it's all right, you laugh it off and you try not to do it again, but it's not such a big deal. But I found this sense of pressure all of a sudden when people start paying you to play the horn or do what what your hobby is, that you can't really be making mistakes. So from then on, I had to learn really quickly how to deal with performance pressure, which was a valuable lesson, I think. And how, how did you deal with performance pressure? Oh, it's an ongoing sort of thing that I'm consistently trying to improve. But I think I one thing that really helped me is surrounding yourself with people that celebrate, making sure like my teacher, Heather, she was just a really great role model for me. And throughout my life, I've had really good mentors. I had a lady in Canada called Joan. They, you just really feed off their positivity and surround yourself with people that support you. That was the first kind of thing I realized I had to do. Anyone that's not supporting you or building you up, there's no room for that in my mind. I just think for me realizing this is just something I made up myself along the way. As musicians we're always or people I guess, always this thing about aiming for a hundred percent. One day I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna aim for a hundred percent. I'm gonna aim for ninety seven percent. Because what it did is it helped me when I was sitting there, you know, in orchestra, some of our, the pieces of music we play are like an hour long. 
And if you're sitting there the whole time thinking, don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake, it's really stressful when you do make a mistake because you think, oh, and then the next 45 minutes can be a disaster. So I found for me just the mindset of like, you know, I'm, I'm aiming for 97%. And so if I did make a mistake, which naturally would happen at some point, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. I've still got a couple more up my belt. And, and it helped my recovery mm. from maybe making a wrong note or coming in wrong or something like that. So just little mindset changes for me. That was a big one for me, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm just not trying to be perfect. That really, And I still think like that now. Like I, I started along that track ages ago, but I still have to remind myself I don't have to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. I just have to like make sure that if I do make something, it's cool. I, I just recover as quickly as I can is, is the thing. And that really helped me not feel so stressed. Like I wouldn't go into a concert thinking, oh, I'd be able to enjoy the actual music and enjoy the process of what I was doing because I wasn't so hung up on messing up. I really like that. I like that approach of the 97%. So it's still aiming for excellence, but, yeah. but taking that pressure off that if – it as inevitably happens, something might go a little bit wrong. That's okay. And as you say, I like the way you talked about it. It doesn't get in the way of doing a great job, but it helps the recovery if things do go a bit haywire along the way. Yeah, I like that, Emma. Thank you. I was oh, really cool. interested to hear about what the life of a professional musician is like. Oh, that's, to be honest, the first thing that comes into my mind is just, I just feel really grateful for one thing there's a lot of people that help you that have helped me along the way to get here so I couldn't have done it without my teachers good family support and awesome support from my wife I think that's one thing I just feel really grateful that people have helped me along the way um it's really epic and it's really cool to wake up and you're going to your job but actually what I'm going to do is just my hobby and people like you know I think that's really something to think about especially for young people like you work a long time in your life, I, most people do, and I just think it's really important. You don't have to love every minute, but just choosing something and finding something that you feel like you can be yourself and you really enjoy. And I love my job. Yes, at times it's stressful. Yes, at times it's hard to keep up a high standard all the time. Sometimes things happen in life and you've still got to go on the stage and put a smile on your face and perform. But I think overall, I just think the fact that I can get up and honestly say I love my job is I just feel really grateful for that mm. it, it's weird at times though sometimes I think oh my gosh I'm sitting on the stage and you look out and there's like thousands of people looking at you sort of it's a funny kind of you know thing when you really think about it I sit there thinking these people hey money to come and watch me like blow down a really long tube and I'm making music it's really weird <laughs> but it, it's really fun and it's really it's really unique and it's the people that you meet along the way. Obviously, I have friends that aren't musicians, but the reason I'm still here is just the colleagues and friends that I've built up along the way. It's really cool. I feel really grateful. I like that. I like the kind of the idea of you sitting on the stage and going, huh, here we go. I'm going to blow down a tube yeah. and make some noise and people yeah. are paid good money to see that. I love the way you describe it. It's funny, like, when you think about it, though, when you actually, like, dumb it down to what it is, that's what it is. <laughs> And I just think, what am I doing and how did I get here? And Mm. what are these people doing here? But I guess what they're doing there is a shared experience and it's about connecting with people. That's what I love. I'm doing my thing, but you're making someone's day better. You're making them think about life differently. You're taking them away from stress. Like It's just such a gift to be able to do that. 
Absolutely. Often the music has that ability, doesn't it, to transport you to another world or make you experience certain emotions and, and maybe bring up memories and things for you. So it, it has that that magical power in it as, as well. Yeah. And I'm just lucky to be able to do that. And Emma, what was the journey to the role that you're doing today? Well, as I sort of mentioned at the start, it, was, it hasn't probably been the most typical journey of how to become a musician. I guess I started in Timaru, which was awesome. I had a really good, like, grounding, I guess. I was in the Waimataro School Brass Band, and it was just a whole bunch of kids having fun playing music. And I left there with a really good attitude for just music in general. And then my high school music teacher, Vicky, was amazing and helping me realize that I could do it, giving me the confidence to be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this happen. Then I met Heather, my teacher, who I was saying, who took me on, basically, and it was a bit risky for her. And she really taught me how to play the horn, but taught me resilience and taught me how to keep going. And Wellington was amazing for me. I loved living there. Um, I miss it. It was a really great time. You know, I was there for about six years. And then after that, I went over to Canada and had this amazing horn teacher called Joan, who was like this, she's an amazing woman. She just was Oh, yes, she taught the horn, but she was just an amazing mentor with lots of different things. One of her things that she taught me that I think about every day is she always used to say, there's no fear in the present. And see, I didn't really know what that meant, but the more I thought about it, it was like, she's so right. So many times I'll be like so scared about a concert coming up in two weeks. How ridiculous is that? I'll be like, oh, no, this is really stressful. There's going to be like 5,000 people. Oh, but she'd just say, you know, there's no fear in the present. And I'd think, you know what? She's right. At the moment, I'm sitting on my couch. There's nothing to be scared of. So it's helped me just meeting people like this along the way that kind of helped to shape a healthy mindset is really what's kept me here, I think. After Canada, I then had a stint in Melbourne. I'm working, doing some shows there and gigs. And yeah, and then I landed in Auckland, which was has been the bulk of my career in the APO up there had the best group of brass people up there, the most amazing horn section, just a really positive, awesome experience. And then actually while I was in Auckland, I, I went over, I moved over to Berlin um, and had some lessons and sessions with the Berlin Philharmonic um, horn section, who were, in my opinion are the best in the world. So that was just really inspiring. And then I came back to Auckland. And then I guess it's maybe an age thing or a stage, I don't know, mid-30s. I was like, you know what? I'm such a South Islander, I think I want to somehow move back. And I didn't really know how to do that. But literally, like, within the next year, this job came up, and it was like, I don't even know if you call it luck, but just the perfect timing for our family. We had a little um, one-year-old, so it was, like, awesome to move back to Christchurch. And the Christchurch Symphony Orchestra is, like, the dream job now for me. It's perfect. We obviously perform, but the, the whole reason I love the job is the community engagement I'm really passionate about that side of it and just I feel really lucky to be here. But yeah, so it's a funny kind of journey, I guess, to get here, but one that I'm like pleased I've done and who knows how it'll end, but for now, this is perfect. Wonderful. And you talked about that community engagement piece. I'd love to hear a little bit more what it is that you love about that. Yeah, I guess going back to why... I love music is, is to connect. Like even when I was at school and singing in choirs, the reason I loved it was just the connection with the other people. And as I've gotten older and I guess just the more I've done music, I've seen how it can really change people's lives. Like 
really in, in an, like in a meaningful way, not just give them a horn lesson. It's more just make their life better. When I was in Auckland, I volunteered a lot in the refugee community, um, teaching ukulele and, and, and a kid's choir. And I could just see how it was just such a good way for lots of different cultures to connect and a nice way to be welcomed to New Zealand, hopefully, just teaching everyone some Kiwi songs and just, yeah, definitely here in CSO, they've got a massive emphasis on the community engagement. I've recently um, been working in the Christchurch Women's Prison, mm. which has been a re- really amazing experience for me. And it's just, I've only had one session so far, so I'm really interested to see how it will go. But we're teaching things like bucket drumming and ukulele. And yeah, it's just something that I feel I feel really at peace when I'm doing it and just I feel like I'm learning really fast <laughs> about how it all works. But just I guess it's the connection with people and maybe making people see that we are all the same if you strip it all back. Like it doesn't matter where you're from, what you've done, what your religion is, how, you know, what your home life, we are, we all want the same things. We all want to feel loved and connected and we all want to contribute in some way. Some people lose their way along the way, but I think I'm one of the lucky ones. I think, like, in a way, I've won the ovary lottery. I've been born in New Zealand, being, I'm already lucky. So if I'm in a position to be able to maybe, like, help to to open doors for other people, um, you know, I love doing that. It's, it's really rewarding. And the other thing I liked about that, the story that you're telling there is it takes you back to that teaching almost that you talked about as being a kid, yeah. about trying to teach other people yeah. about music as well, which is fascinating for me. Yeah, absolutely. And what I always found was, I think you know, learning an instrument is is hard. It's not easy. You When you pick something up, you feel completely incompetent at the start, but it's it, almost that doesn't matter. It's the it's about the the fact that you progress and you can see how you're learning and uh, and it's almost that the confidence that you get from knowing that you can acquire a new skill that that comes with learning an instrument. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think actually you said about confidence. I think in life, if you can build that in yourself, you, you're going to do well. Like. I've learned like you can't wait for other people to say well done to you. You've got to really have that in you. And I think learning an instrument, even as an adult learning, I think it's even better when you're an adult just to pick up something and go and get some lessons and you'll learn a lot about yourself. The goal is not to be able to be the best by next week. The goal is just to be a little bit better than you were the week before. And if you slowly build on that and you have patience and then you achieve something, that's going to make you feel really confident. If you're armed with confidence, I think that's a really good dart in whatever you're going to go and do in life. Confidence is really important, I think. Yeah, great lesson. Absolutely. It, it is really important. But it's something that a lot of women that I speak to struggle with. But I liked how you talked about it as not waiting for somebody to tell you well done. I think quite often we look to other people to tell us we've done a good job or that kind of looking for that positive recognition and feedback where actually you need to start off on the inside and building up your own self-belief rather than looking to others for that recognition. My teacher actually in Canada helped me with that. You know, you said that a lot of women you talk to struggle in that area. I definitely do. I'm not saying that I'm nailing that, but one thing is I'm trying to get better at it. She had this cool thing where she made me make a courage journal. Mm. So she'd get me to write down whenever I was brave, not necessarily with horn playing. I mean, a lot of it was, but not everything, just even little tiny things. And when I was feeling 
like my confidence was low, like or I wasn't feeling very confident, I'd go and look in this journal and I'd be like, oh yeah, I did that, I did that. And it was a really good visual way. I don't know, it was like, it's like a muscle. If you exercise it enough, it'll get hopefully bigger and stronger. And it was like I hadn't really exercised my courage muscles, if you want to call it that. And she taught me how to do that. And it was a really practical, good skill. And I actually need to get back into that. I'm glad you reminded me. But it was a really good way of just keeping tabs on that. Yeah. Mm. I also like that she made you do a courage journal and not a confidence journal. Um, Because actually, I think and when most when a lot of women talk about, oh, I wish I was more confident, actually, it can be more helpful. Actually, I just yeah. wish I was a bit, had a bit more courage. I was oh, a bit braver because the, the, no- the doubts are normal. It's about what you do with them. It's about not being held back by them and actually being able to still step into that, take some action, move yourself forward. Um, and as you look back on your career, what have been some of the, the toughest challenges or toughest moments? I guess when I first got my APO job in Auckland, I was, like 23, I was young. So that's really young to get a job in Australia. I was by far the youngest person. I was a female and I was a Kiwi. And I know that doesn't sound like a bad combination, but like a lot of, I don't know, I, I'm trying to say it in a nice way, but a lot of conductors are, um, are guys. That's fine, absolutely fine. But that sort of look over to the horn section and just assume I probably wouldn't know what I was doing. And so that kind of, that was a big challenge for me to, to to work for I guess over the over the few it's definitely the first few years often the conductor you know they sort of can verbally tell you what to do but like several of them would talk to the 50 year old man beside me like not even make eye contact with me but I felt invisible and that was something that I didn't really know what the feeling was but I just felt uncomfortable I think I didn't know whether it was because I was a woman and in most brass sections I don't know why this is and I'm Actually, this is inspiring me, this chat, to do something about this, thinking about it. But definitely like in brass sections, like in the CSO brass section, there's 11 people and I'm the only female. In the APO section, it was the same sort of thing. There was Luckily, um, my boss was a really strong, awesome leader, Nicola. So I learned a lot of her. She was a female. But most professional orchestras, if you look around, there's, there are the, there's the odd women, but it's, it's really sad that, that it's not really very many female representation in bra- especially brass sections and orchestras and yeah and when it comes to conductors as well I think the whole time in my career I've been conducted by a woman once I mean what's going on that's not cool so a lot of yeah I guess the biggest challenge was believing in myself and even if people would conductors not every single one was like this but the odd one and it would really get me down and I really struggled with it but that's I think when I started trying to get like confidence from in myself. Like I didn't rely on them to be like, you're great or, or anything. I just, I had to do it myself and build that up from nothing basically. So that was a really big challenge. And I feel lucky that I've gone through that. Yeah. And just really sitting there and thinking, no, I do know what I'm doing. And just because they're not talking to me or making eye contact or being a bit aloof or rude, it doesn't mean that I'm not valid so that was probably my biggest challenge yeah I think that's quite a big one (laughs) it is yeah it is and a really interesting take on um that yes I can imagine particularly in the brass section quite male dominated and yes I can definitely recognize what you're talking about when you talk about conductors but it's not only the the gender of the people that might be around you and, and feeling slightly different but it's 
the way you talked about it was kind of feeling invisible, but actually then having to work through that for yourself and recognize that, yes, I do have, absolutely, I've got things to offer. I'm good at what I do and building that up yourself. That is a, yeah, super story, Emma. Thank you. I think I was lucky the brass section, I must say, like in terms of the Auckland brass section and the Christchurch brass section, every single one of the guys I've worked with has been amazing. Like super respectful, super great. Like some of them are Kiwis, some of them are from all around the world. But I've had, I've just been, I guess I've never had any problems with people in the brass section. It's more just being conductors, the odd one that often come from Europe or something. And that, yeah, so the actual brass section itself, like awesome positive experience for me, which is cool. Nice to hear. Yeah, yeah. really cool. I know you've you've got a wee daughter, yeah. young girl. You've obviously got a pretty full-on life in terms of the all the preparation and then the performances with the symphony orchestra. You've got all the outreach, the kind of community work that comes with that. How do you find balance between your work and, and your broader life? For me, it's like the holy grail. That's something I'm historically very bad at. I'll be honest. It's something I'm working on. I think... I'm really lucky. My wife's incredibly supportive. She's not a musician, but she really understands. You'll see us on stage, but when we're not on stage, we're preparing to be on stage. So that often means if we go on holiday, I've got to take my horn. or I don't really have too many days off in a row. I've got to work a lot of weekends and things like that. But Liz is really amazingly supportive. Having a baby was really scary because I was like, how is this going to work? I'm going to be like a terrible mother and a terrible horn player. Like This is all my fear. And I've definitely gone through waves of feeling like that. But I think I I sat down with myself once. I had a meeting with myself and got myself a coffee and thought about how to tackle this feeling. And I think I just realized, yes, I don't have as much time as I used to, but I just figured with the time I've got, I just need to be smarter with it. So having a, she's now one and a half year old, it's the first time probably, this sounds really sad in my life, that something or someone else has come before the horn. So she's actually taught me a lot. She comes first. So Maggie comes first, absolutely. So when I do have my hour to get my work done or or however amount of time, I've got to be really smart about it. And I realized historically, I think I wasted a lot of time. (laughs) So just trying to, at the moment, like I'm right in the middle of trying to work on being more efficient and being smarter with the time I've got. Because I don't want to be working if I don't have to on a Saturday. I want to be hanging out with Liz and Maggie. But how can I make that happen? So even if it might mean on the Thursday or something, I just try and be organized with it. It's still a work in progress, <laughs> but um, that's my goal anyway. Yeah. Mm, I, I think for most people, balance remains a lifelong work in progress. It's not just you don't suddenly magically have balance and what no. do you're done is something that does life changes as well so your priorities change and, and to and to change them as you go but I think what you talk about in terms of that efficiency I think working parents are often the most efficient because they're really focused when they're working to because they've got as you said that other important things to be getting on with outside absolutely but yeah, you check back in the year, see, see what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. And as you look back now, what are some of your proudest career moments? Oh, that's a, that's a big can of worms, isn't it? Proudest, that's a hard, I hate saying stuff out loud like that. Probably, I guess, or oh, probably most memorable, and I guess I felt proud. I got to play on stage with Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> that was amazing. And I remember the feeling, I almost, I think I got lost halfway through a song because I was, 
I was like, oh my gosh, that's Olivia Newton-John. And she has a leather jacket on from Greece. And I'm sitting here like playing the horn. How, what's going on? It was almost like a disbelief. But I, I love her and I think she's amazing. And I guess every, like throughout the horn playing career, when things like that happen, I feel really proud that I got to do that. <laughs> In terms of, yeah, I think what I feel probably overall, I guess, proud about is that the times where I've said yes, even though I was shit scared. So there have been times where people have asked me, oh, can you play horn for this or can you do this? And I've thought to myself, I don't think I can do it. You know, and you, you sit on the email for half a day thinking, oh. But I think I'm most proud of the times that I've felt like that, but said yes and then worked it out. <laughs> because that's hard for me, but it's something I try and do. Even if I'm scared, I just say yes and then figure out the rest. <laughs> so I think I'm feeling proud that I'm trying to do that more often. Mm. Yeah. Super. I love it, Emma. Thank you. And where do you see your career heading in the future? Definitely hanging out in New Zealand. Like, I love New Zealand. I am like really a proud Kiwi. I think in terms of career, I think actually talking to you has been really good. I and mean, It's got me thinking. I think... One goal I have is I really want to somehow, I guess, make female representation in the brass world in New Zealand, just just have more of it. And why are there only, I was just talking to you before, like why are there only one or two in orchestra? I don't really know the answer to that, but I guess if I had to answer my own question, you can't be what you can't see, right? So I've been thinking about maybe trying to celebrate like female identifying people in the brass world in New Zealand because they are we're hanging out but maybe just trying to drive that a bit more or encourage young girls to, to give brass playing a go goes a lot and you say oh what do you play and it's really awesome they play the flute and violin it's really cool there's nothing against the flute and violin but wouldn't it be awesome just to see a whole lot of girls giving it a go I think that's an area that I'd like to explore more I don't know how <laughs> but definitely in the community outreach mm. side of things. And definitely, I think, in terms of horn playing, I'll be trying to get better at the horn till the day I die. There's no end to that. That's what I love about it. I think I'll be just trying to always get better and finding ways to become more efficient on the, on my instrument as well would be good. But, yeah, definitely I'm going to explore the whole mm. females and brass in New Zealand idea, I think. It's something I'll be mm. keen to do. Fantastic. And I am, um, that, that phrase comes up quite a bit, doesn't it? That, you know, you can't be what you can't see. And it's been, to be honest, part of the inspiration behind doing this podcast is actually, well, let's, let's tell some of these stories so that others can listen to them and maybe hear and, and maybe uh, consider some of those options or gain some lessons from there. But you're right. If you see women out there playing brass, then actually it's in, that it might make some other young girls consider it as well. Yeah. Ah, lovely, Emma. That would be awesome. Um, now, you've shared, to be honest, I've picked up loads of good little snippets of career advice as we've been talking from you as we've gone along. But have you got any other career advice for women in particular? Oh, I think I've, I've said it before, but definitely go where you're celebrated. You are enough. Like, I think if you're feeling like you're not, not quite yourself or you don't feel like something sits, you're not in the right place. I think that going where you're celebrated and having like a workplace and people around you and colleagues that really celebrate you. 
um, is a really good start. I think I definitely feel like um, in the music world that's a good one because it's hard. And, you know, I feel like if you feel supported and celebrated, then you can figure almost anything out. And you can, it's a really good place to start. So going where you're, who you are is celebrated, whatever that may mean for you, I think is a good, good thing. Um, I think that thing about aiming for 97% is helpful for me. I don't know whether that's helpful in other careers is, is a good one. One lesson I think I learned from starting the horn really late and on the back foot, I think I definitely have started feeling this a bit myself. Like it's never too late to start something. So it doesn't really matter. Age is just a number. I think really just it's not too late to get something done or to start something. Don't be afraid of what that might look like um, because your only regret is if you don't do it. So I think just trying to really think it's not too late. Like you can just go and do it. Um, And I proved that to myself and I hope that I'll keep that attitude as well. And I guess celebrating when you do something awesome I don't think people celebrate enough. It's all very, oh, I've got to get this done, got to get that done. It doesn't even have to be a big thing, but I think just really celebrating and taking time to be like, that was awesome. I really enjoyed that or whatever you've done, like just really celebrating it and, yeah, being kind to yourself, I think. Mm, I think particularly in a very busy world at the moment, as you say, where it's what next, where do I go? Um, Taking that pause, as you say, to celebrate when something goes really well and and let it sink and enjoy that feeling for a little while before you go on to the next thing. Oh, yeah. Emma, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you today and fascinating for me to hear about your journey and some of the ups and downs along the way, including having to pick up a whole new instrument when you started at at music school, but, but also... Gosh, so many little, for me, what struck me there is just around your mindset, but about how you've continued to work on that and gather pieces of advice from your supporters around you to really help and continue to build and grow on on your mindset and your approach as you go. So that wonderful approach to learning throughout your life and your career was, was amazing to see. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Lovely. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.